Today needs to be the day we break the cycle. Welcome to Crime Over Cocktails. I'm Tiffany, your host, and today we have a guest appearance from Hurricane Elsa. She decided to come hang out while we talk about the case of Shanda Cher and while I drink my vodka and iced tea. Shanda Cher was born June 6, 1979 in Pineville, Kentucky. Her parents, Stephen and Jacqueline, they tried to make things work between them, but in the end, they decided that they were better off to get a divorce. When her mom remarried, it ended up moving them to Louisville. When they made the move, she was going into the fifth grade, and she was excited for a new start. She was very active. She did cheerleading, volleyball, softball. She was always doing something, always keeping busy. By June of 1991, her mom was in the middle of another divorce, and this time it moved them to New Albany, Indiana. She went to Hazelwood Middle, where she became quite popular. She was very outgoing, so it was easy for her to make friends. But, I mean, I'm sure when you move around quite a bit, you kind of have to be. One of the friends that she met when she moved there was Amanda Heverin. They became quick friends, and before you knew it, they became lovers. Now, I just want to let you guys know that Shanda was 12, and Amanda was age 14. So... I bet I already have your attention. (laughs) In October, the girls went to a dance together and they were confronted when they were leaving by Melinda Loveless, who was 16 years old and who had previously dated Amanda. And I guess they dated for a little over a year and a half. It appears that they actually never broke up. Melinda just kind of like found somebody else and left Amanda high and dry. But it turns out one man's trash is another man's treasure is not too far off because this pissed Melinda off that now Amanda was happy with Shanda. Melinda did not hide how she felt about this either. She would tell everybody and anybody that she was either going to kill Shanda or she was going to teach her a lesson. Her mom was so freaked out that she ended up changing her school, Catholic school, which was called Our Lady of Perpetual Help School. There she joined the basketball team, hoping that, you know, maybe this will keep her busy, take her mind off of everything that's been going on, because you gotta think, she's 12. That's gotta be scary. On January 10th, 1992, Melinda got her friend, Lori Tackett, who was age 17, to grab some of her friends. She wasn't letting this go. She wanted to teach Shanda a lesson. So Lori grabs Tony Lawrence, age 15, Hope Ripley, age 15, and neither of these two had ever met Melinda before. But I guess for some reason they were like, okay, cool, let's teach this girl a lesson. They get to Melinda's house and she lets the girls borrow some clothing and she showed them a knife that she planned on bringing with her. And she told them, you know, this was only to frighten her. She she wanted to scare her. None of these other girls even know Shanda. Only Melinda knows her. But she tells them that the reason why she was doing this was because she was a copycat and stole her girlfriend. Okay, does this just like let you know the mindset really? Because she's a copycat. 
Lori had Hope drive her car and they went to Jeffersonville. That's where Shanda stays on the weekends when she's with her dad. They arrived before dark and Hope and Lori, they're instructed to go to the door and to tell her that they're friends of Amanda and that they were on their way to go meet up with her at this teenage hangout that they used to call the Witch's Castle or, and I think it was also known as Mistletoe Falls. It was some old house that I believe was burnt and it was a, it was like a stone house on an isolated hill. It overlooked the Ohio River. Shanda answered the door and she told him that she wasn't able to go because her dad was still awake. And she told them to come back around midnight. Melinda was pissed. She's like, this bitch just threw a wrench in my whole plan. Tony and Hope were assuring her that they would come back later and they'll teach her the lesson. You know, don't worry, don't worry, we'll come back. So to kill time, they went to a punk rock show by the band Sunspring at the Audubon Skate Park in Louisville. Tony and Hope quickly got bored and they went and met some guys. They went out into the parking lot with them and then got in Lori's car and engaged in sexual activities with the boys. On the way back to Shanda's house, Melinda changes her tune a little bit. You know, in the beginning, it was, I can't wait to scare her. Well, this time she said she's so excited she can't wait to kill her. They arrive at her house at 1230 and they tell Tony to go get out and get her. But she refuses. She She's not getting out of this car. So Hope and Lori, they get thrown to go back to the door because clearly Melinda can't go. She knows Melinda. It's gonna have to be Hope and Lori. When they went up, Melinda hid under a blanket that they had in the car in the back seat. And she hid under this blanket with her knife in hand. When Shanda opens the door, I'm sure she's looking for Amanda and Amanda's not there. It's just these two girls again that she does not know. She never met these girls. They're telling her, no, she's waiting for you. She wants to see you at the witch's castle. And they could tell she was reluctant, but she told them to hold on for a minute so she could go and change her clothes. When she got in the car and they started driving, Hope started to ask her questions about her relationship with Amanda. As they were talking, Melinda sprang out from the back seat and put a knife up to Shanda's throat and started to interrogate her about her sexual relationship with Amanda. They did take her to the witch's castle, but it was clear Amanda was not there waiting for her. Amanda didn't even have a clue any of this stuff was going on. When they took her inside the house, they tied up her arms and legs with rope. And Melinda would taunt her by telling her how pretty she was and how pretty her hair was. Acting like she was going to cut it. You know, oh, look how pretty your hair is. Hope took off her Mickey Mouse watch and started dancing around to whatever tune her watch was playing. Melinda started taking off all of her rings and she was passing them around to the girls. Lori started to tell her the stories about the witch's castle, about how they were burnt because they were witches. And she told her that the place is covered in human remains and that hers was just going to be another one added to the mix. This poor 12-year-old girl must have been completely frightened. Lori went to the car and she grabbed a smiley face t-shirt and she lit it on fire. Now, she did this because she wanted to scare her. You know, they're looking for scare tactics here. But then they all kind of got freaked out because they were scared someone might see the smoke and somebody might call the cops. So they hurry up, decide they're going to have to take this to another location. She is begging them to just take her home 
home. Please take me home. You know, Melinda tells her to take off her bra, which she does. And she hands the bra to Hope. So Hope's driving the car. And now she's taking off her bra to put on Shanda's bra while she's driving. They have no clue where they're going. They're just driving around. I don't think they had a plan B. And, you know, by her lighting that shirt on fire, they got spooked. They they don't know where to go. They decide that they're going to have to stop and get directions somewhere. They find a gas station. And what they do is they hide Shanda under the blanket just to make sure if anyone else came, nobody would see her. They get back in the car and they start driving. But before they knew it, they were lost again. Eventually, somehow, I don't know, they ended up at the edge of some woods that was near Lori's house in Madison. She led them to a dark garbage dump off a logging road in a densely forested area. Tony and Hope were scared. They just thought they were going to scare the girl. They don't understand what's happening. They can tell, like, this is going left. And they know it ain't right. They refused to get out of the car. So Melinda and Lori took Shanda out of the car. And they made her strip naked. Melinda beat her with her fists and slammed her face into her knees. Which made her cut her mouth because Shanda had braces. Melinda tried to slit her throat, but the knife was too dull. Hope was then yelled at to get out of the car so she could hold Shanda down while Melinda and Lori took turns stabbing her in the chest with the knife. They strangled her with the rope until she was unconscious and put the body in the trunk. They started to head back to Lori's house so they could clean up. They thought she was dead, but I guess while they were in the house, they could hear her screaming from the trunk. So Lori runs out into the front of her house, Don't forget, she's home, <laughs> and gets a paring knife and stabs her several more times. When she walks back into the house, she's kind covered in blood all over again. At 2.30 in the morning, they decide that they're going to go back into the car and try to find a place to put her body. They have to get rid of her body. It's still in the trunk. As they're driving, they can hear that she is still alive. She's crying and she's gurgling. So they make it to a nearby town, Canaan, and that's when Lori stopped the car to open the trunk. Lori said that when she stopped the car and opened the trunk, Shanda sat up. She's covered in blood and her eyes are rolled in the back of her head. But she couldn't talk. She could not speak. So Lori beat her with a tire iron until she was unconscious and then told Melinda to smell it. What in the actual fuck? I, I guess it's better than lick it. I don't know. I, I do not know. After they beat her again, they go back to Lori's house so they can clean up yet a third time. Let me mind you, she's still in the trunk of this car. The girls are asking, you know, what the ha- what happened? And Lori's laughing and telling them all the gruesome details. And she was getting so loud and worked up, her mom woke up. And her mom was already pissed because first of all, you were out later than she probably even realizes. And now you got all these girls in my house. So Lori's like, look, I'm gonna take everybody home. Just chill. We're good. So they leave. She took them to the burn pile. So they were able to open up the trunk and look at Shanda. Tony refused to look. She didn't even want to get out of the car. She wanted no part in this. Hope decided it was a good idea to spray her face with Windex, telling her, you're not looking so hot now, are you? 
They then went to a gas station to get gas for the car and a two liter of Pepsi, which they would pour out so they could fill the two liter with gas as well. They then drove to Lemon Road off of US Route 421. It was a place that Hope knew of. Hope and Lori wrapped her body in a blanket and carried her to a field by the Gravel Country Road. Lori made Hope pour the gas on her and then they lit her on fire. Melinda wasn't sure she was dead, so they actually turned around and went back because Melinda wanted to finish the bottle of gasoline on her. She wanted to make sure this girl was dead. So, I mean, I guess that makes you hungry, all that work. So they decided, let's go to Mickey D's. As they're eating, they're joking that the sausages that they're eating looks like Shanda. Tony's not really on board with any of this shit. She actually goes outside and calls a friend. And she told her friend about the murder. Lori and Melinda, they drive everybody home. But Melinda went back to her house and took Lori with her. So they call Amanda and they're telling her, like, hey, your girlfriend's dead. And they arranged to pick her up later that day. Another girl named Crystal Waven came over to Melinda's house. And, you know, they start to tell her the story. And they're like, okay, well, we're going to go pick up Amanda. So the three girls, they go pick up Amanda and they're telling her the story. Both Amanda and Crystal are like, okay, they could not fathom that this could be true. There's no way this is true. But they stop somewhere and they open the trunk of the car. And that's when you could see that there was piles of blood and bloody handprints. Shanda's socks were in the trunk. And that's when she knew they were serious. Amanda said, take me home. She wanted to go home. She could not believe what they did to her girlfriend. Melinda actually takes her home. She gets out and kisses her and tells her that she loves her and begs her not to tell anybody what happened. She promised she wouldn't. And I'm thinking, hightail that shit in your house. That is some crazy shit. I'm sure she is frightened. Like, who does that? Her body was found around 10.55 that morning by hunters who just happened to be on that road. Police, they actually thought it was a drug deal gone wrong. They didn't believe it was done by locals. Stephen noticed, obviously, that Shanda wasn't home. And I guess after time by her not either being in contact or coming home, he called Jacqueline and them two decided that they were going to meet up and they were going to go to the police department in Clark County so they could report their daughter missing. You know, he told the police, he called friends, he called family, he checked the hospitals, she was nowhere. At 8.20 p.m. that evening, Tony and Hope were at the Jefferson County Police Station with their parents. And they were telling them who the burn victim was and how she got there. They contacted Clark County and that's when they were able to make a match to the body of the missing persons report. Melinda and Lori were arrested on January 12th and charged as adults. All four ended up being charged as adults and they all took plea deals. All four girls had a very troubled background, which included violence and sexual abuse. So much that Tony, Hope, and Lori all had histories of self-harming behavior. Melinda Lovelace was born October 28, 1975 in New Albany and was fondled as an infant by her father. He also molested her sister and her cousin. 
But it's really what he put the mother through that all three kids did have to witness. He pretty much pimped her out. He would go to the local bars with her and he liked to share her with his friends and his co-workers. One night they had an orgy with another couple at their home and she tried to kill herself. Sometime after that, Larry had her mother Marjorie gang rate when Melinda was nine and her mother tried to kill herself by drowning. Her father had quite the reputation for being too forward with women and, and was even accused of rape. Lori Tackett, born October 5th, 1974 in Madison, Indiana, said that she had been molested at least two times as a child between age five and 12. Social workers had to become involved when her mother caught her changing into jeans at school and she tried to strangle her. She used to pretend that she was possessed by a spirit called Deanna the Vampire and she would engage in self-harm where she would slit her wrists on many occasions and was even sent to a psychiatric ward where she was diagnosed with borderline personality disorder. Hope Rippey was born June 9th, 1976 in Madison, Indiana. She also had a turbulent relationship with her divorced parents. She started to self-harm at age 15. Tony Lawrence, born February 14th, 1976 in Madison, was abused at age 9 by a relative and was raped by a boy at age 14. The boy was only told that he needed to stay away from her. It put her in counseling to try to deal with it, but she didn't follow through. Instead, she became promiscuous, began to self-harm, and attempted suicide in the 8th grade. So to say these girls had a hard life is an understatement but that doesn't allow you to say that this was okay this was definitely not okay Lori and melinda were sentenced to 60 years in the indiana women's prison in indianapolis melinda appealed her conviction in october 2007 saying that she was profoundly retarded by childhood abuse. Her attorney also said that she was only 16, which was too young to enter into a contract in the state of Indiana without consent by a parent or a guardian. On January 8th of 2008, her request was rejected and she would still be eligible in 15 years. Melinda was released on September 5th, 2019 after 27 years in prison and she also does have to serve some time on parole. Lori was released on January 11th, 2018 after 26 years and had to serve one year probation. That ended up being the 26th year anniversary of Shanda's death that weekend, almost to the date. Hope received 60 years as well, with 10 years suspended for mitigating circumstances, plus 10 years of medium supervision probation. The judge reduced her sentence to 35 years for her cooperation, and she was released on April 28, 2006, after 14 years and was on parole until April of 2011. Tony was allowed to plead guilty to one count of criminal confinement and was sentenced to a max of 20 years. She was released on December 14, 2000 after serving nine years and still had to do parole until December of 2002. I'm sorry, but I think that's kind of bullshit. That girl did nothing. She didn't even leave the car once. I get she was like kind of part of it, but she she really wasn't. I think she should have to pay for uh, saying she was going to go beat somebody, but I think nine was 
was a little harsh. What do you, I mean, I want to know what your guys' opinions are, but that's what I think. During the hearing for Melinda, it did draw attention to the abuse that Larry inflicted to his wife, daughters, and even other children, and he was arrested in February of 1993 for rape, sodomy, and sexual battery. Since most of his crimes were committed in 1968 to 1977, they had to drop the charges after he sat in prison for two years because of the statute of limitations. Indiana has a five-year limitation rule, which I think is bullshit. So he was released in June of 1995 for time served. Shanda's dad, Stephen, he died from alcoholism in 2005 at the age of 53 from a broken heart. Her mother made contact with Melinda while she was incarcerated and actually gave her a dog named Angel in Shanda's name. It was for a program that's called Project to Heal. It's through the Indiana Canine Assistance Network program. It allows them to train the dogs to become service dogs so they could help people with disabilities. She ended up training dogs for several years after that. Her mom did say that people gave her a, a lot of backlash for that, but she said, it's my choice to to make she is my child if you do not let good things come from bad things nothing gets better i know what my child would want and she would want this this story is just so sad in so many ways and that's why we need to break the cycle children who are abused become abusers it's been proven mental emotional it doesn't matter abuse is abuse it's time to break the cycle and i'm tired of the justice system always slapping everybody on the wrist. Offenders become re-offenders. I say they need to get one prison and just make it pedophiles, rapists, murderers. You put them in there and you leave them there. You don't put anything else in there and we keep them there. I could rant and rave and actually I will <laughs> on my after hours edition. So if you decide you want to come get your crime cap with me, there will be more on this episode. But in the meantime, thank you guys so much for listening. I hope you guys like the episode i hope elsa did as well i'd like to know what you guys think do you think that tony got what she deserved she never got out of the car she wouldn't even go get the girl from the house i just don't know if i agree i don't know but don't forget all the ways that you can listen while you're there like follow subscribe you can follow me on Instagram and Facebook. Official website is crimeovercocktails.com where you can check out the merch, listen to episodes, or become a Patreon. Becoming a Patreon does come with perks. You get early release on episodes, which are released on Wednesdays. And you can listen to the After Hours Edition. Some tiers come with free giveaways. So make sure to check it out. All right, you guys, we'll talk crime another time. Bye. Bye.